Hello everyone, and welcome to another Harvard Review. Right, this one's a bit random, but uh story is, I was vegging it yesterday because um, I, was, I was on live twice, and I was on another podcast on Saturday, so right through to 4am, so there's not much sleepy time for Colin. Sundays is like, okay, I don't want to think. I need something uh, just to watch flashy things on the screen. Blade 2 popped up, and I'm like... God, was this as bad as I remember? Maybe I was just harsh on it. So, pop Blade 2 in, and sure enough, then you go down the rabbit hole. So here we are. Thought I may as well talk about it, even though I'm being naughty, because I've got two movies this week I have to write up notes for, because uh, I've got guests, and you have to like, pretend to be professional when you've uh, people are giving their time to you. But here we go, right. Um, spoiler alert, yes, Blade 2 is as bad. In fact, I would suggest it's worse. But anyway, let's go back to the start. Blade, um, 1998, late 90s, early 2000s, bit of a pivotal moment in movies. It's where they were reaching the peak before going the absolute dog shit. And I am so glad that all three of these movies, to be honest, were made before the MCU thing and comic books became a, you know, state. what the hell they would have done with Blade if... Um, current day Disney Marvel got their hands on them I, I don't know and I dread to think so thank goodness we got these three movies when we did <laughs> even though the second one annoys me uh it's still better than half the guff being pumped out today but there you go right so the first blade this is a straight up horror movie no f buts or maybes yes based on comic book but believe it or not there's loads of comic book horror movies or sorry comic book horrors and even within DC and Marvel, there's some dark material, which is cool. You've probably heard me talk about Dark Horse comics a few times in streams. Um, some of our stuff's absolutely fantastic. And they really uh, they don't hold back with the gore. But this um, this movie starts off, obviously, Blade's mother getting brought into the hospital to see that there's a bite on her. She's passed away. And then it kind of closes out the present present day in the universe um yeah straight out horror no messing about setting up a scene okay this this isn't fluffy this isn't nice this isn't um you know cape wearing spooky woohoo haha sort of stuff this is yeah it's gonna be gnarly this movie i think has easily like one of the best intros ever in movies definitely in superhero movies and what i'm talking about is where bro dude is being taken to the nightclub anyone who's watched this movie knows exactly what i'm talking about bro dude meets uh attractive russian girl he's leading them on he's like hey man all that kind of stuff he's going through um the abattoir and even before he goes in that was the thing when I first watched this the first couple of times. I never noticed the fact that this guy saw human bodies getting, uh, they're all, uh, what's it, plastic up, you know, they're all wrapped up. And he kind of goes from, what what the hell was that? You know, as he's getting led into uh, the nightclub, you know. Now, anybody with two functioning brain cells, if you're being led somewhere dingy and it's got bouncers on a door and it's top secret and you're like, yeah, I don't think I want to be drinking here. But of course, um, 
our girl, she she's got him by the short and curlies, and she catches them. He forgets everything. Oh right, okay. The the large brain disengages. The small brain switches on. Goes to full, <laughs> just full control mode. Um, but yeah, that whole setup in the scene and the nightclub and the fact that even as he's gonna, he's trying to be Mister Cool, and he's just getting bashed about the place and pushed, and um, it becomes very obvious very quickly. He's not in a friendly place. And then we get the most epic scene, of course, of all, where the DJ's like, bloodbath, and then blood's out of the sprinklers. That, plus the music. Ah, uh, God, who was it? Ah, I forget that. They're busy one hit wonder, anyway. And their whole career was made off this tune. One tune, Dance Act. Um, yeah, that tune's playing. Then we get the intro to Blade. Uh, you don't get better, not you don't get better of a setup, you don't get better of uh, you know, all the elements tying in together, and also the fact that this is pure horror, they wouldn't do it today. Quite simply, you would not get that. You'd probably get some something really weak, maybe a bit of digital blood, but this is just pure on like visceral, unadulterated. And then when they all reveal themselves, the ones that are vampires reveal themselves to the humans that the. Uh, Guess what? You're the snack. <laughs> you know, um, brilliant. Easily. Uh, and if Wesley's types had done nothing else apart from this, would have made his career. You know what I mean? That's just being part of this. Uh, absolutely fantastic. I remember making a joke not so long ago about the whole tax thing and that and how he just kind of vanished. And it wasn't out of nonsense. It was just a shame because... Uh, it's one of the last epic actors, you know, that's, you know, had screen presence and actually talent as well, because uh, he comes from a martial arts background and it shows. But yeah, you have this whole thing, that intro, there you go, hooked. If you just took us to the basis, just right, action movie, bloody brilliant, you know, hits all the right beats. What it does well, it takes you, no, I mean, it takes you up that level, you got the intro, and then it brings you back down. Then, obviously, when it's all done, we'll meet Whistler, we'll meet his team, we'll, we'll sort of get his backstory, which is ended up at the start. Um, and then we meet the vampires. There, to me, there was, this was inspired, I think, by Vampire and the Masquerade. The, more the story behind it, as opposed to the RPG, but the idea of... Um, the, you know, I mean, the agreement between vampires and humans, so there's not all out war, the rigid vampire society, and then you have the long, young blood. Uh, Deacon in this could have been about, I don't know, I think it could have picked a better actor. He was over the top, I think, in terms of being, you know, cocky and I'm going to turn the tables up and blah, blah, blah. Is the way he swaggered about, the way he acted, and compared that to his research he was doing, didn't add up. He's uh, even watching it today. He's the only character in this that I didn't quite get. Um, he needed a bit of refinement. To me, someone who's that studious and dedicated should have had a bit more of a fanatic edge to them, as opposed to just being party boy. So it didn't quite. You know, didn't quite gel with his character. Um, now, if he had been manipulated by one of his underlings to do this with a promise of power, 
that would have made a bit more sense. But to him as a character himself, it's still today just doesn't doesn't sit well. Just you know, something about him doesn't fit with uh, what he's trying to do. And even at the end, uh, he's sort of the weakest part of this movie, which um, you can switch off. I mean, you can kind of switch that part off and still enjoy this whole thing. But like I said, just the, the character that he can only let down in the first movie. And of course, what we'll have here is busy younger vampires. Not, and that's the whole thing between pure blood and turned vampires. So that was always an interesting dynamic. Um, you've got vampires that are born vampires. They're the, you know, suppose the pinnacle of the race, then you've got the rest. And there's that kind of resentment. Which is, you know, that's played out hundred times over in Vampire Society. Me personally, I don't see anything attractive about being a vampire or part of that. Uh, the only other sort of franchise that did it just as well was Underworld. We have a coven of vampires because most vampire movies are, you know, single vampires. Thirty Days a Night was a bit more animalistic. They were closer to a pack of werewolves than vampires, I think. Uh, still a good movie. Still a lot of fun. But you didn't have that societal thing. But with the with Blade, you have the whole hierarchy, the structure. You've got their own language. There's, I mean, there's been a lot of a lot of details put into this for what could have been a throwaway action flick, loosely based on a comic book. Um, this could have just been a, a meh, a nothing. The fact that from 1998 until today, it still bloody holds up as a great movie kind of shows that there's a wee bit of love and caravant into it, and uh, also character investment. Wesley Snipes, he uh, he plays a stoic part, but he also lets out his other side, like uh, the scene in the hospital, he's like, are you fucking kidding me? You know, or something like that. The, the, secure, uh, the police look come after him after watching a a flipping, you know, they didn't know it was a vampire, but basically a zombie, you know, somebody that's been letting fire running, run away. Like the brains just didn't engage. <laughs> but he has that kind of no nonsense, you know, approach and just all for the mission about revenge. Uh, but yeah, this, the story is solid, it carries on. The pacing's good as well. You're not feeling any time that you're being overwhelmed with flashy lights like they do now. It's just flash, 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 image, 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 no plot. And you're just, you're not watching anything. You're just kind of going through the motions. Or not so slow. Like even the, the vampire scenes, the, like the, the interplay and the interpolitics wasn't dragged out enough to take you away from the main plot. It was done well. And Deacon coming into, you know, bringing its plan to fruition and turning on the elders and that just it all worked and like i said it's just the character they can just um not the actor's fault i just think he was well cast in this one but so be it and then we'll get obviously everything comes to fruition find out the blades of key because he's a daywalker which is he's a hybrid he was born of a human and vampire so he can walk in the daylight and he just vowed to hunt them and you know it's always in the back of his mind what happened to his mother even though he never knew her really and then that all plays out but yeah um 
even if I'd had a bit of standalone movie, left on his own, brilliant. And this is similar to there's something about this time in the nineties where movies like this were made, and they were made for the long haul. Think of this. Think of the Matrix. Think of um, think of Demolition Man. Actually, I don't know what was he says, but um. Terminator, you know, Terminator 1 and 2. Didn't Terminator 2 come out with this time? I think Terminator 2 was like, like, sort of running with this time as well. So you got, you're getting movies like that and they're made for the long haul. The people that made the movies want you to, obviously back then, buy the DVD. Um, it just come out of the VHS area. So they didn't just want you to go to the cinema once and forget about it. They wanted you to buy the, the DVD afterwards. They wanted you to buy the merch they wanted to be on board for the anniversary editions. This is something I think is missing from today's storytelling, uh, especially with the big studios there. Everything's about to be forgotten. Forget this one after five minutes, concentrate on the next product, the next thing we're pumping out. That's kind of the mentality now, and it's suffering for it. Where I think the guys that made this, they had an idea that, okay, it's a one-off. People go to the cinema when it comes out, but we want long-term fans. You know, I just you get that feeling anyway. You know, you know how sometimes without saying anything, a piece of art or a piece of media speaks out through how it's made. I think this is basically a case of it. So yeah, um, on its own, fantastic. Just happens to be part of a trilogy, which obviously I guess was the success of the first one. It's going to happen. Blade 2, in my, normally it's the third in a trilogy, it's kind of like, eh. But to me, the second one was like the, the letdown. Blade 2, then, it just it carries on after a while. You know, it's still uh, still the same uh, beats. It turns out that Whistler, who we thought had killed himself in the first one, had been actually kidnapped by the vampires. And they were holding him hostage and Blade's busy tracking them, so you're getting that whole first search. This is a, uh, a plot device to bring uh, Chris Christopherson back, which, do you know what? Didn't mind. It wasn't horrible. I, I'm i glad they didn't drag it out too long. So basically, they have him tracking, so at least it didn't just, oh, surprise, I'm back. Um, when he finally finds him and rescues him, he uses the EBTA the the curum of the affection because it only works in turn vampires and then basically he says right in the morning i'm opening these blinds you'd either be yourself or no more sort of thing and now that's pretty much it done dusted um and then whistler's back we'll meet this other flipping character scud oh what a uh, i know he was designed to be an annoying arsehole but oh my god what a cliche of all the cliche characters to put in was this guy and didn't warm during the start and then when he did the betrayal you weren't really surprised and you didn't care because you're just waiting for him to get wiped out you just want him um characters that like i said i did not enjoy this movie as much we can go to say that i hated it because I was able to watch it again. But it's one of them ones you, you just zone out. You watch it and you zone out. It's not really... It's a very weak 
addition to this uh this franchise so basically what we found out is there are there's a new variant a vampire called reapers that the the genome um oh god was it mutates and we've got this new vampire the dumbest part of this movie was when representatives of the vampire high council break in the blades complex first of all if you are coming with a message anybody knows you go up to a castle and it's the same play you don't sneak in through the window go to the throne room and then sneak up behind the king king and go i've got a message from your enemies that's not going to go down well at all anywhere but it was just an excuse to have this daft fight just to initiate it to get a bit of martial arts flicky stuff which i don't know there's no need for it um there's plenty of action in this movie if they had had them arrive at the gates announce themselves that sort of thing yeah it wouldn't have been showy and flashy but to me that took me out of the movie because all you're doing is getting spinny kicks sword flashy stuff for no reason just uh just to have a martial arts fight and that's i think at that moment even when i first watched this movie like many many years ago that's what took me out of it that first fight scene because you're like what are you doing especially when they say whoa stop you know message truce blah 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 you're like duh what are you fighting for and then the main thing oh you shot first like no you use the one sneaking in there's a way to do things and these are supposed to be experienced people you know but um yeah he's in decides to go with them and once again if you're having a parlay between two parties you don't bring them to your base you don't bring them to your castle if that makes sense so they bring them straight to the the high lord whatever vampire who is your classic underworld-esque vampire you know i'm so old and ancient i never leave these rooms and the archivist you know and it's like yeah you're a cliche mate so you don't buy that character either i didn't anyway they tell him about the <clears throat> the reaver show uh a reaper sorry and show him the the footage and stuff and then he's introduced to ask the lead the blood pack of all the names jesus christ that like totally cheesy and then you've got bailey dude fucking ron perlman he's a he's an arse anyway but yeah you have these people we're here to we've been trained to fight you and they all look as cliche as possible i was just like nah nah not famous then you have this weird scene like they're going to first hunt and they're in a nightclub and they're going to be fully tilled up like with belt fed machine guns and double drummed and just going through it and nobody's paying a bit of notice as opposed to oh this ain't good and even the the reapers that were there are looking at and then these guys are just walking openly so it's not even anything tactical about it uh and then it just evolved into farce and their thing is they've got the mandibles that open up you know and the tongue comes out no more like aliens and anything but that was the gimmick and yeah what else because i got bored i honestly um we'll get the inevitable betrayal 
which we knew was going to happen when you see because it was always going to kick off like that. We meet, uh, God, what's the guy's name? Matt Goss played him, but him anyway. They start this weird thing of is that the enemy of my enemy, my friend, and they just start fighting, and there's no interplay between them. When you think how tight the first one was, and how they managed to, to mix the drama with the action together, and this one was just a complete farce. And this was Guillermo del Toro. So uh, let's put in the comments. Um, he directed the second one, David Esquire did the third, and uh, Stephen Norrington did the first, who I'm not too familiar with. But Guillermo del Toro is a good director. What the hell did he do wrong with us? Evening, Chris. How are you? Uh, hope you're ready for tomorrow because I'm not. Well, I'm typing up the notes. <laughs> I jumped on to do this and then realized oh, I have notes to type up. <laughs> so I'll get them finished off about halfway down. I'll get them done tomorrow. Or, sorry, later on tonight for tomorrow. Um, yeah, just talking about these movies. I put them on. Yeah, they're too still shit. Uh, it's, the plot is paper thin. It's cheesy, and it's what could have went wrong if it had done. If this had been the first one out, or they had went this direction in the first one, it wouldn't have. There'd be no Blade series. It'd have just been another forgettable movie. Um. Yeah, you have this weird betrayal, this um back and forth that vampires are using gene therapy to create new strands. All that kind of stuff, but you're not really feeling it, honestly. It's just the way it's delivered just doesn't doesn't get you on board. The CGI as well, I have to mention the CGI. Like there's a couple of dodgy CGI scenes in the the first one, but you kind of forget them because there was enough practical effects to balance it out. But the CGI in this one is god awful. Um this I think is one of the movie, first movies we're getting introduced to jumpy along walls person that you know looks like a cartoon which is carried on to the day it hasn't got any better would you remember that batman movie batman v superman you saw batman doing this weird like he was a freaking exorcist rolling along the top of the wall and you're like what the hell i mean you think it was uh this is the kind of stuff that where this started and it's just terrible but yeah, you go on, blah blah, fight, fight, swish, swish. The end happens. Even though there's betrayal, of course you have to have the big bad. Like it's just like <laughs> what could have happened was Blade and the Reaper guy took care of the father. Some maybe agreement could have been reached. Anything, but it was so cliche that it was just okay. It's, it was like a video game. Okay, here's the next body. Here's the end of level body. The end. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say about Blade Two. It was still the worst one. It's not a good movie. It's only watchable because of uh, Wesley Snipes' performance. To be honest, uh, he's the only one. Christopher Robinson not too bad, but it's Wesley Snipes that sort of. 
holds this movie together because yeah <sighs> not good which is weird because then we go on to play a trilogy and you'd think after the second one they would have went nah and like i said normally with trilogies it's always the third one's worst but this one was actually pretty decent um we're seeing now that uh Blade's been doing this a long time, and it's got it's gone on so long that even the human population is aware of him. Because obviously the vampires operate in public spaces and that, and there's reports and I said it's went on for a while, which is fair enough. But then we're seeing the vampires are getting a bit clever. They understand that if they turn because the humans are aware of him, if they turn the humans against them. Then they don't have to do as much work, and they're still because he's obviously effective, so they're still terrified of him. Which, after the events of the first one, and the fact they failed bringing back the blood god on the second one, you think by this stage that have retreated, like vampires are supposed to play for the long game, but the, they're just acting exactly the same, which is um, kind of disappointing. You would think that they would like retreat for a hundred years. And then come back out and carry on, but nah, apparently not. Um, yeah, this is where he accidentally kills a human because they've set him up to do it. They've put enough whispers in with um, the police and FBI that he's just a, a serial killer that has a fixation. He's captured. The the know where he is. He's captured. Whistler gets killed. Oh, excuse me. And then uh Blade's taken into custody. He finds out that the familiar or sorry, the psychiatrist who's gonna recommend he gets um you know busy locked away. Uh is a familiar. The police chief's a familiar, so we're seeing that they're it's basically a vampire operation using humans. And What else? This is this is where we meet the Night Stalkers. Like some of these names to come off with. Yep, there are three movies. Um, they're worth a, they're worth a They're always worth a revisit. Um, like I said, the first one's absolutely fantastic, top notch. Uh, if that movie had just got made its own, it could have survived. You know done nothing else these other two they don't take away as much like blade trinity that's what i'm talking about is is watchable it's a fun action flick but we've kind of lost the horror of the first one and they've um who is it with me um hannibal and abigail you know they they're doing the same thing that Blade does. It's like another team set up. Uh, this is I think it's one of the first times I've seen Ryan Reynolds in a movie. Thankfully, it was that long ago that we hadn't got oversaturated with Ryan Reynolds, so his wise cracks in that was, were pretty decent. I think of this movie like if they made this now and Ryan Reynolds came back, you'd just be like, oh god, not him again. You know, he does have that kind of effect. 
Ryan Reynolds is one of them actors is okay in small doses, but just repetitive. But what we'll also have the plot is they're basically looking for Dracula himself. And they've got this, and this is where the this is kind of cheapened because you've got the vampires, you've got this super serious scene. They're all dressed up in high-tech suits so the sun doesn't affect them. You've got the slow moving music, and then you have one of them throwing the finger up at the sun. And you're like, why'd you do that? That just cheapens. You've just spent all this time in a setup and to be really serious about an expedition. And vampires are, you know, they can move about, they know what they're doing, and then you have somebody go, you know, it's like that thinking character. It's like, why? And this is where I kind of it takes me out of the movie, if that makes sense. It seems like that just is trying to devolve it into like something base. And especially when you're, you're looking for Dracula. Now, the scene when the first encounter Dracula is horror. You know, the difference is instead of him hunting humans, he's hunting other vampires, you know, because they basically wake him out of a slumber. And he's not too impressed. God, who else? The main antagonist in this, um, I forget her name. She's a bit of a cliche. Uh, they've got a bloody wrestler in this as well, so the IQ of the room drops immediately. Once you put a wrestler in something, uh, you know, the IQ just hits the ground. But yeah, they're kind of comical. Now you have Dominic, Dominic Purcell playing Dracula. Uh, or Drake, you know, saying you know he's had many names, so he's going by Drake. He's all right, but to me, he's not Dracula. You know, he's just a big hulking dude. Dracula was never about physicality. Dracula was about power. So you kind of know this is just something, somebody, something set up to fight Blade. You know, we're going to get a big beef fest. You know, at the end. And I kind of reacted on. Now we get a wee bit of play. Now when Dracula goes after the Night Stalkers, he goes after Blade, and you see how ruthless he is. And it's this point where Blade's beating the vampires at every turn, and he's like, "Oh, time I join the game." And then things ramp up, and the scene where he actually infiltrates, you know, goes into their base. Uh brilliant! You know, it's done with tension and horror. We could have done a bit more of that. And the goofiness maybe set to the side. It's the goofiness that kind of takes you out of this. But the, it's the it's the serious moments of horror and it's Dominic Purcell's, you know, actions as Dracula is what keeps you on board. Where in Blade 2, you didn't have any of that at all. Where at least in this one, um, him being the roof, you know, the, the busy overlord of all vampires uh, works when he's when he's the one taking the lead in screen time the problem is the rest of the cast that play vampires are shit and the you you don't get really i mean they're cannon fodder and that's the problem when you've got too many cannon fodder actors or characters um yeah it's you just kind of switch off a bit but not a terrible movie like i said it's better than the second one it's if it had it this had been played too Instead, I think the franchise would have had a better chance, and if they had to like dial back some of the goofiness, 
then you would have had a really dark set of movies here with a gripping, you know, with enough wisecracks to give you levity and like brief moments of levity, you know, brief moments of comedy just through wisecracks and that, that it brings down the tension. I don't know what they could have done with the second one to bring it up. But this goes on, you know, you've got a virus that's going to wipe out all of our, our kind. The deliberate big boss battle. Drake leaves important gift that he'll never beat the thirst. And he's the future of the vampire race. Then it kind of, you know, goes off into sunset from there. But yeah, not the worst, you know, in a, as a third part in a trilogy, as a sequel, wasn't too bad. If it just dealt back in the goofiness of it, this, you know, it would have had more or less the same beats or the same atmosphere as the first one. The second one, I don't know what you could have done. It's too many cheese ball characters again. Like the vampires in it are terrible. They're, they're, uh, how do I put it? I was going to say comic book characters, but it is based on the comic, but they're they're ridiculous. Same as the ones in the third one, where the vampires, like I said, Dagan in the first one, I didn't 100% buy because it was because the actor playing him, but him being the sort of party vampire and the fact that his actions are causing ripples and they're not happy with them in the main vampire community, that was all brought across very well. And at least when the rest of them, it was time to stop goofing about and be serious. They switched. So you saw that you were dealing with the dangerous predators. Whereas in the second and third ones, you didn't get that from the vampires at all. Um, yeah, in the second one, you didn't get it whatsoever. At least the third one made an attempt, like I said, with uh, Dracula's character himself. I think we, we talked about this in the... Uh, in the Dracula in cinema, there is something that the minute you say Dracula, the minute you say Dracula is going to be in the movie, I think everyone switches gears, and it's easy. It's simply a case of right. This is the character you have to treat with respect. We cannot disrespect the Dark Lord. <laughs> Honestly, I really do think that happens. And even watching this again, yeah, I'd say that was the case. Just if he had just been another vampire. I think he would have been a cheesy character, but the fact is, I'm playing Dracula. Oh, I better do this right. And the director's like, we're using Dracula. We better do this right. And you can see that attempt being made. But all in all, like, I binged these on Sunday. And it wasn't like, holy, yeah, I was wasting time, but it wasn't like I went, oh, can I have those three hours back or four hours back? Enjoyed myself. Even the picking of the second one, I was able just to have it on. In the background, it's a popcorn, switch your brain off, let the flashy lights happen on screen, and don't really think about it. The third one, a bit the same, but there's enough, like I said, enough dark moments in it to make you pay attention. So there you go. Um, yeah, just randomly end up revisiting the series, even though I have two movies to rewatch for this week, and uh, in a short order, because I've got obviously Brotherhood of the Dice on Wednesday, so. I'm not going to be sleeping much. <laughs> so when you see me Thursday, I'm going to be like this, you know, eyes on stocks. But are you really making art if you're not suffering for it? <laughs> anyway, hope you enjoyed this. 
bit of fun. Nice to revisit something after a while. Um, let me know if you've rewatched these. Have you seen them recently? Be interesting to hear your thoughts. Do the hold up. Uh, do you agree with me on that? That the they still hold up even the sequels after this time. What could be done better? Am I being over harsh, over critical? Have you other suggestions? As I said, leave in the comments so we can uh, have a wee chat about it and uh, revisit no classic. But there you go. Hope you enjoyed that. If you love the other channel, I'm on tomorrow night with Chris. I'm on Thursday night with Dale. I've stuff on this weekend. Can't remember off the top of my head. And definitely I'm on Dragonland Saga again for some second edition D&D. My brother who did this on Wednesday for Call of Cthulhu. So all we go. Busy time. So come to the other channel. Do the tiny things. Until next time, keep it creepy. Keep it horrific. <laughs>